conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today we are doing another roundtable episode, this time all about Spider-Man Far From Home. We have a slightly different lineup today, so joining me are Katie Schaefer, Jonathan Lally, and Tim Matthews. All of them have been on the podcast before, so you've possibly heard them, and Katie and Jonathan were on the Avengers Endgame roundtable. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend doing that first, because... We're going to be talking about that a little today, but how are you guys doing? Great. Fantastic. I'm fantastic as well. I'm really, honestly, really, really pumped because I very much enjoy getting on this podcast, but also loved speaking with Katie last time because she is the ultimate fan. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pumped to well, be on you. and pumped to meet Tim. So it's nice to meet you, Tim. Hey, it's great to meet everybody. I'm I'm super stoked to be on uh, my first of uh, the roundtables. Although I'm pretty, I thought we were talking about Spider Man Three, the greatest Spider Man of all time. <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed. Hey, it's it's still available if you want it, Tim. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. <laughs> I feel like Tim is like turning around, doing the emo Toby Maguire dance out of here. Yes! <laughs> the head toss, his hair. I'm, do- I'm doing it right eyes. now. <laughs> and there goes Tim. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's dive in and first talk about our viewing experience with this, because I think there are at least four different ways you could have watched this movie between Dolby IMAX, probably 3D and just plain old digital. So Katie, I know you went to a press screening, so I'm guessing you happen to just have a regular old press screening for that. Oh, no. So press you screening, did not. press screenings are very dependent on where they're going to show the movie. And this press screening, thankfully, was at one of the premier theaters, the Icon Theaters in my area. And they had a whole theater full of regular people who win from like the radio and stuff. And then there's an upper level where they give seats to all the press members. Oh, fancy, fancy. I have, like, I've been doing this long enough that the press girls will give me decent seats. And so I was sitting in just the perfect spot, and though that theater has the Dolby sound, and it was phenomenal. Like, just the intensity and the immediacy of the sound and the audio er, and the video were great to watch. It was ideal screening material. Nice. Jonathan, how about you? I think I've like uh, hyped Alamo Drafthouse plenty of times, but uh, <laughs> we usually go see it at Alamo. This was no different. We uh, went to Alamo Drafthouse on the Tuesday night. Um, usually the screenings are on Thursdays, so this is this different for me, but uh, we had once again, we usually have a group of like 15 or more people, and that's that was no different this time. Um, I just really love getting that Mondo pint glass swag that they give out. You know, you just have to pay a little bit extra and get some really cool stuff. So I got some pins and, um, but usually those first screenings are like the biggest of the fans in, at least in San Francisco, uh, going to the Alamo and it's a lot of fun. And then ultimately I ended up seeing it again, uh, like two days ago, I guess. Um, at uh, the Metreon, uh, not in the IMAX, but in the Metreon. And we paid for those like recliner seats. And then, of course, got there and the recliners were broken. No. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer because like the thing with the Alamo is like 
I love going for the atmosphere and like the swag that you can buy, but the seats are like they leave a lot to be desired. They can barely they're recline. Yeah. They're, they're, but they also have a lot of room between them so the people can go in and out and take your orders the whole movie. And I, that never really bothers me. It bothers some of my friends. They don't like having the folks you know, running past them the whole ways, but they usually do it pretty quietly that it, it doesn't bother me. But overall, the experience uh, in both was really good. I, I, especially at the Alamo, you know, seeing it with those other folks, the very first showing that you can get. Um, it's always really exhilarating. Nice. Tim, I know you also saw it twice. So did you see it in the same format both times or did you mix it up? I, I mixed it up. I will forever support uh, Jonathan's hype of Alamo Drafthouse. I unfortunately, same. Yeah. Same. I unfortunately just I outside. Never been. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I, you just killed a sponsorship potential. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, DNA. <laughs> you have kidding. to go. That's right. The three the three of us can pick up the slack more. To, to well, one just opened. Sorry to cut you off. To, one just opened in L.A., so we're going to have to make a trip out there. and We can all go see a movie together and okay. take her. Yes. That's awesome. I'll make yeah. some vacation that. plans. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, so I'm just outside Philly, and we unfortunately don't have an Alamo draft house. And it's like, I, I, I'm always just kind of like, why? Like, I feel like Philly's a good place for it. <laughs> I agree. But I did see Spider-Man Homecoming, actually. Uh, I went out to Denver, Colorado for my 30th birthday. And one of the things I told my friends when we went, I was like, there's an Alamo draft house in Denver. I was like, I have to go. I have to experience this place. Yeah. And guess what? Spider-Man uh, Homecoming's coming out while we're there. And so, No joke. When I went to Denver, did the same thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And it was amazing. They unfortunately were all out of the of uh, the Mondo glasses for Spider Man. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. they he was like, Yeah, I'm sorry we're out of the Spider Man ones, but we have this Jaws one here. I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. Give me that Jaws one. I'll take that. Oh yeah. I I have the the Jaws one where it's like the mechanical shark. Yes, it's so cool. I'm drinking out of it right now. Yeah, it their their <laughs> stuff is awesome. Uh Sorry, on behalf of Deanna Mondo and uh, Alamo, if you're listening, big fans, uh, yes, yeah. fly out Deanna to any of your locations so she can experience. Absolutely. It's it's awesome. But I, for Far From Home, I just saw uh, the first time I saw it on Tuesday night uh, at a just a United Artist with um, it's a nice theater. They got the really nice, you know, uh, recliners and everything. But then this morning I went at nine and the first time I saw it, obviously, on Tuesday, full packed house, very responsive crowd. So that was very exciting. People were cheering and laughing at all the right parts. So that's always an exciting experience. And then this morning, I just I love as Deanna said, she went and saw this and uh, this was her first like Dolby. Um, so I have the AMC yeah. Stubbs pass. So I went to the Dolby uh, nearby uh, at nine thirty this morning, and I absolutely love the Dolby screenings. Like it's the subwoofer that's just under your seat, and the pictures are, and the sound quality is fantastic. So it's so I good. Do, yeah, I really enjoy that. So that was great. But it also being nine thirty in the morning, a much smaller crowd <laughs> than than the opening night, but still it was great nonetheless. Yeah, I went at. 9 30 in the morning as well actually and my theater was packed because it was opening day and i sort of got the last seat up in one of the top corners oh thank god not the front corner yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. no it was all the way in the back and i didn't realize sort of how high up the seats were going to go because this is the only <laughs> theater with the recliner seats in the mm. amc that i go to and I was walking and walking and walking, and then I couldn't recline my seat all the way because I was too short to see over the next row. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, I know that struggle, girl. We need a so, booster seat. <laughs> 
I know. It is like my I, legs already don't well, touch the so. ground on, the, on those yep, seats anyway. I need that anyway. pillow though. <laughs> yeah, I should have brought like a pillow to sit on. So I like slightly reclined it. But for the most part, I just sort of left the seat up, which I didn't mind because they're more comfortable than the normal theater seats anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They got the thing in the middle. You, If you're lucky, you can get yourself like a little like it's like a love seat if nobody else yeah. is in the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I love it when that happens. <laughs> it's great. It's the little things. It's the little things. Oh, yeah. And I'm like super weird like with the with the Dolby Theater. It's like I... I in the amount of times that I've gone, I've found like my perfect spot. Nice. And it's seat F10. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful and when you find it. It's yeah. Like, and I'm, you can't see me, but home. I'm writing that down. So I'm going to see oh, if it F10 translates. F10 is great. It's like, because it's, it's like the, it's not too close and not too far, but it's like just right. So the, the screen, like perf, it's, it's in your perfect view. Like it, there, it, there's been more than one time where I have like, all right, we'll sit here. Nope, this doesn't work. Let's move back. A, <laughs> let's move back a row and sit here. Okay, oh, yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is good. And now that I have that seat, when I'm like looking online, uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, I could stop and see a movie, you know, on the way home from work, and let's see what's showing. Oh, something's in Dolby, and I'll look it up, and F Tem's taken. And I'm like, nope, not seeing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bad omen. <laughs> yeah. For reference, I was in seat K1 last row. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. All the way in the K's. I but mean, it, it was that's fine. definitely better than all the way in the front. That's... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to sit all the way in the front, you know, before back issues were a part of my life and uh, never again. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Deanna and I talked about it on the, the Toy Story uh, podcast when my dad and my brother and I went. It was after we just heard that, like, our neighbors had gotten back. They were like, this movie's amazing. We're like, oh, we should go this afternoon, not realizing how packed it was going to be. And obviously, this is the original. Back when they're yeah, the yeah. original. There's no, uh, re- there's no reserve seating, and we yeah. were all the way in the front, all the way on the left. I feel like and explaining ooh. non-reserve it, it, seat theaters and dialogue <laughs> is like going to be this generation's <laughs> come to, yeah. come around Grandpa's lap. You know, story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> all good. These large plastic bricks that we used to put in a machine and we play. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like we all had pretty good viewing experiences with this. And even though I am short and needed to keep the seat not reclined, it was fine. I enjoyed it. The theater had a pretty good vibe. I wouldn't say anyone was particularly loud, but you did get some laughs and things like that. So I want to start the main discussion with how this is as a follow-up to Endgame, because Endgame was something that felt so final with that phase of the MCU that it's like, oh, but wait, we have one more. And then the phase is really over. And I think, you know, it's just one of those things where because of how big Endgame was, it was hard to really determine what kind of impact Spider-Man Far From Home was going to have. And I think they kind of did a nice job of just making it this bridge from one to the other as far as the phases go. So what did you guys all think of how this was as a follow up? I was super impressed with how well they handled that. They kind of they take that initial moment to explain away the whole this is why high school is the way it is now, <laughs> which I was really hoping they would do. We were all like, yeah. I remember we were all hoping. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, they took care of that right away. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they do it well and they brush it out of the out of the story and we're all OK. Like, all right, great. That's good. Let's move along. And then they really address Peter's 
you know, what we would imagine at least to be Peter's, you know, emotional impact from mm-hmm. Endgame, then take it further. So I really enjoyed that. I thought they handled that particular aspect of it incredibly well, especially in regards to how Peter reacts to Mysterio. I thought that was by far and away the most natural way that someone like Peter would react to the character of Mysterio coming into his life. For me, you know, I thought it was a really nice palate cleanser, very similar to the way that Ant-Man and the Wasp following up Infinity War felt. And I know... um, I've talked about my love for Ant-Man here before, but I felt like a lot of the things that that movie benefited from, same with Spider-Man Far From Home, it was a little bit smaller in scale, it focused more on story and characters rather than the spectacle, which absolutely worked in Endgame because we had built up to that. You know, it was Spider-Man, if you think about it, really this is is what, Uh, one, two, three, like fifth film now, I guess? Yeah, Civil War... Uh, Homecoming, Infinity War, Endgame, and now this one. And I like that they're spending more time developing these characters. Uh, I felt like what we saw here wasn't overbearing uh, as far as the ramifications from the end of Endgame. Um, they weren't like smacking us over the head with it. It was. It doesn't feel like it takes up too much time. Exactly. It was. It was perfect. I remember one of the very, like, pretty much one of the things I said when we had spoken about Endgame is I said, they can solve the one issue I took away with Peter and Ned being old, you know, young, and all these other kids have grown up, and all the kids that they've shown in the trailer, you know, with one piece of dialogue or even a joke. I was hoping it would be a joke, and we got that type of stuff. I thought about that when I watched the movie. I was like, <laughs> I was, oh! I was he was so, totally right. Thank God. I was so happy. I was so happy. Um, I will say that, you know, what we'll discuss later with those cliffhangers, they set up a lot of possibilities for the MCU going forward with so many questions. And I am really excited to see where it goes. I completely agree with everything said you know, all, already. And the as much as obviously I thoroughly enjoy the the grand spectacle of Endgame, like you said, we built up to that. It was incredibly worth everything that we got. But a lot of my favorite stuff in the MCU tends to be when it's a little more scaled back and as the, uh, the movies um, just kind of work on their own as just one. And that was something that I was a little bit nervous about with this movie going into it because I was like, oh, no, like Homecoming was really great. And now we're getting, yes, it's a follow-up to Homecoming, but it's also a follow-up to Endgame. And I'm like, is it going to feel like a Spider-Man movie is there, or is it going to feel like a coda to Endgame? And I feel like they they did do a really, really nice balance between the two. It still felt contained while also building the world. Um, and its response to uh, to Endgame, they hit the emotional beats perfectly. Uh, you know, the like with the conversations with um between Peter and uh Quentin. The conversation was it Quentin? Quentin Beck, right? Quentin Beck, yeah. yeah. Um Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so the conversations between them and the conversations especially between him and Happy, like it's you were getting the emotional impact of the repercussions of Endgame. But then the whole thing that how they call it like the blip and the way they framed it in, you know, with the, you know, the really lousy uh, student, you know, TV channel. That was wonderful. 
it was fantastic <laughs> and so cute it, yeah i loved it and um and the fact that it's like you get this feeling that there's not a huge emotional impact for for a lot of like the students of the blip like it's almost like it they treat it like an annoyance. Yes. Like, it's just like, like, seriously, like my, my younger brother's now five years older than me. And <laughs> Betty's just like, yeah, that's math. Like, yeah. it's- <laughs> I love there- like, there's such this feeling of like, uh, yeah. teenagerhood. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like that 14, 15 year old age. And that part, I was like, John Watts, yeah. chef kiss. It oh, was the, per- it was the perfect way to respond to Endgame. You know, like you guys said, without, Without really sitting on it too much, you were able to feel the everything that came from Endgame, but it felt right in the in this world in this playful, fun teenager way, um, and that's exactly what I wanted from a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, they knew they needed to address Endgame in some way, but this movie didn't necessarily hinge on the events of Endgame. It hinged more on. Peter being able to grow as a person and you know this kind of leads right into our next topic here on Peter's grief and how it led him to make the decisions that he made throughout the movie and obviously not great decision making on Peter's part but <laughs> Ooh, I you had think one what, job dude <laughs> I think what some people forget is that you know he's in high school. How many of us made stupid decisions when we were in high school? Anyone who says they didn't is probably lying. So they're a liar. Or the most <laughs> uptight person ever. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, well, Peter's so much smarter. And look, I went to an extremely nerdy high school where like freshmen were taking calculus and then the next year going over to the college campus to take math. So trust me, I understand nerdy kids and even if they're book still smart, dumb yes they're still in high they're school so and they dumb. still make dumb yeah. decisions you know the book People smarts were... don't make up for the street smarts it's like expecting uh, yeah. a first grader to do math at an eighth grade level on an emotional perspective yeah they don't know what they're doing just give them some slack yeah so it sounds like we're all sort of on the same page here with how they handled Endgame and Peter's grief from the events of Endgame and I just think that was something that while not everyone is going to like this movie because Spider-Man is one of the biggest Marvel characters ever, you know, there are a lot of people who have very, very strong opinions of this character because they've been reading the comics for so long. And yes, they do take things and twist them a little from the comics as they've done with pretty much every MCU movie. But I totally agree with Jonathan too. At the same time, this was a good palate cleanser for what's coming next. We got this fun European adventure, even though it still was emotional and Peter had to work through a lot of different feelings, not only about Tony, but about him as a hero, about MJ, about literally anything a high school kid would be worried about. <laughs> yeah. And, and and just one thing I wanted to touch on because we brought it up very, it's, while it's fresh in my brain, um, even though, as you said, we didn't hinge on the snap and the decimation and the blip. Um, I still think that we will see things be, you know, whether it's a enemy that comes as a result of it, whether it's the X-Men being introduced as a result of like the snap, you know, and all of this crazy stuff happening. I still think we will see it show up, but it will be in more of a serious, you know, maybe it's a new character, you know, something like that. I mean, they have a lot of possibility for that still, but I'm glad that they didn't hinge on it. And 
as far as Peter's grief goes, you know, it obviously got the better of him in this film and ultimately made him vulnerable. Uh, he tried to distract from that grief by leaving his suit and his responsibilities at home. But like many of us can attest, your problems tend to follow you around until they're addressed. And that happens in a spectacular fashion here, whether it's him leaving his suit, his mom packs his suit. He ghosts Nick Fury. Nick Fury basically diverts his whole summer vacation. <laughs> it's Amazing. like, yeah, at every can't turn. win. <laughs> Shout out to Dimitri. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I thought Props. that this was such a great exploration of Peter's grief while also bringing us through a new story. Like, Peter is unique in the MCU because he was Iron Man's protege. He is not a fellow fighter like Black Widow or... Uh, Hawkeye? Yes, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> who I was thinking of. Or Hawkeye or anything like that. He is younger and he took his inspiration from Iron Man and now he has to find his own inspiration and be an inspiration to other people. And that's a lot to ask. Like, I think he says he's 15 or 16 in this yeah. movie. Yeah, so I forget which one. I think he's 16. Those, yeah. Yeah, yeah like that is, this point. I remember 16 and I remember having no goddamn idea what I was doing at that age. <laughs> yeah. I still don't like, know what I'm doing. <laughs> like be honest 16? Here. That, you're a baby. You are a baby. And no judge for that because we were all babies once. But expecting to lay that burden on someone that young and know how to make the right choices is way beyond the pale. And that's why I can totally understand Peter's reaction to uh, all of the events of this film. I get it. Well, also to touch on that, like, it's crazy when you think about the event. Like, there was one point where someone said, like, are the Avengers even a thing anymore? What's going on? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. right. you're right. You're like, wait, Cap's out of the picture. Iron Man's out of the picture. Hawkeye's out of the picture. Black Widow's out of the picture. Like, Right. Who is it? This is like, they're kind of in disarray. And I love when... Nick Fury is like, I came back five years, no intel. Like, the, you're all I have. He's yeah. literally relying. He's like, I can't get a 15-year-old kid to return my calls. But, like, I don't think you understand how serious this is. Like, right. we don't have people anymore. <laughs> I love how it deals with Endgame and Peter's grief in that it acknowledges both of them as something very real and very affecting to the events that happen afterwards. Because, obviously, Peter would never have made the choice he does with Mysterio if Tony were still there. He wouldn't have had that option, but he does because he's like, oh, great. I can shove this responsibility onto an adult. I don't have to deal with this. Exactly. And it's kind of, it's funny. It's like a contrast to how he was. It's a stark contrast to how he yes. was, no pun intended. <laughs> nice. In, yes. Well, Just lean homecoming. in. That was intended. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like it. I like <laughs> After that. the fact, I'm good with it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's a very, it's, it's very different than how he was in homecoming where he wanted to rush in and he wanted to take charge and he wanted to be involved. Right? And now he's like, oh God, can't I just go back to being how you guys wanted me to be? Right. You he know? understands the gravity of taking on that emotional responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. so when it's forced on him, because... Tony probably didn't plan for this to happen at least 10 years, 10, 15 years out from this. Yeah. But it's happening. And so now he has to deal with it and he has to step up and he has to be the leader. And like, can he do that? And I think that's kind of the question that this movie was asking is, can Spider-Man at this age and at this developmental level step up and be this person for the MCU? Yeah. Katie, you, you touched on 
the fact that Spider-Man was Iron Man's protege. And like we see when it's the uh, the little um, fundraiser for the homeless. Yes, and, that's so cute. And he's like, you know, he, he does his little appearance, but then it's like when everyone's barraging him with all these questions, are you are you an official Avenger now? Are you a, a top Avenger? Are you going to take over t- for Tony Stark? Are you the new Iron Man? And it's like he was Tony's protege and he looked up to him. He was this father figure that he needed. And he never in his train of thought was like, oh, I'm going to train under Tony and become the next Iron Man. It was just him in the moment working with this guy that he idolizes. It was him being a science nerd. Exactly. He takes advantage of the moment and he doesn't really think about what comes after. Right. Yeah. And so him dealing with that, it's uh, I I agree. Like I think just the way he the way he latches on to uh to Mysterio, it it makes total sense. And I mean, come on. Like I know we're all we're all sitting there watching it and you know, at least for me it's like a part of me was like I know he's going to turn out to be a bad guy because that's Mysterio. But at the same time, like Jake Gyllenhaal, like the way he's playing him, I'm just like, no, I want you to be his friend. Like, I want you to like take him under your wing and help he him He seems out. Like, so responsible. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd believe him as an adult. I am yeah. almost 35 and I'm a fucking accountant and do like very normal everyday tasks. And I, too, would be like... Oh, good. This is somebody who I can give these tasks to and they'll take care of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's Peter's big downfall in this movie. He decides to trust Mysterio with the one thing that Tony really, truly leaves behind for him. You know, he gets these sunglasses and he has no idea what he (laughs) needs to use them for until he realizes oh, there's this AI in here. And the AI is so powerful, I think, even beyond what we had seen previously. And Tony is always tinkering. So I know some people were kind of wondering what happened with Friday and the other AI in Peter's suit from Homecoming. But I sort of just chalked that up to Tony was being Tony and he had five years to work on other stuff because he was still here. And he just went all out with it. So to have that be Peter's downfall is handing Edith over to Mysterio, really just wanting to have this trust in him. You know, we kind of get that moment. Yeah, we get that moment too, though, where after Peter leaves, we're kind of like, oh boy, is this where it's (laughs) going to happen? And Jake Gyllenhaal plays the character so well because you look at him like you said Katie and you just want to trust him you know it's Jake Gyllenhaal what's not to trust he's a charmer he's a charmer <laughs> oh, right all Gyllenhaal. hail the Gyllenhaal yeah I agree. that whole family <laughs> <laughs> like uh, yeah exactly Maggie just as good yeah uh, yeah when you watch Gyllenhaal he brings this gravity and this sense of security to the role and then like personally I really love Jake Gyllenhaal because he can go from like very serious, intense to what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, I don't know how mm-hmm. many of you saw Oakjaw, but I haven't seen that. One. I haven't I seen that. Oh, wait, no. Yes, I did see. Yes. He's eccentric and crazy in that one, too. He at Oakjaw. The Netflix. Seen it, the, the Netflix yes, CGI exactly. like pig. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy movie. <laughs> it, it, you watch that just for Jake Gyllenhaal because he takes all of the normal intensity he brings to every role and twists it into this crazy what the hell is wrong with you person. And that is what I saw in Mysterio. This is a much more toned down version of his character in that. But like he goes from being this very trustworthy, uh, stable seeming man to and then he gives that speech at the restaurant and you're like oh god this guy is nuts (laughs) nuts the switch when uh, when he knows peter's gone and he just like the look on his face changes and he's just like was that so hard like you're just like oh man exactly you knew it was coming and and this really just was pitch perfect casting i i always thought jelen hall was personally for me I thought he was snubbed for at least an Oscar nomination for his work in Nightcrawler. Like three. I thought yeah. I thought Nightcrawler is honestly one of the greatest movies and one of the greatest roles he's ever done. And uh, you know, Quentin yep. Beck certainly had bits of that character blended in with Avor of a thespian who was obsessed over all of the details. And yeah. that was so great to me when he was addressing the cast and you're just like, wow, like amazing. because I, I'm not familiar with a lot of the comics. Spider-Man, I, I know I've said this to Katie and Deanna before, but my my limited experience growing up, I maybe read one or two scom- uh, co- uh Spider-Man comics, but mostly X-Men and only recently got back into comics. But what I know of the character Mysterio is that he's all about, you know, uh, sleight of hand and illusions and like, I love that. Presentation. Yeah, presentation. And I love that they made him, like I said, this thespian, this like guy who's like a theater dude who's obsessed with all the details and the, the scene where he's revealing all of his connections to Tony Stark with the past movies. But my favorite moment of all of that, where he's showing off all these people and he turns to the guy who's the screenwriter and he says, apparently he says something like, apparently this type of crazy stuff is exactly what people want to hear is like, (laughs) yeah, where he's talking about earth and like all the different earth and the multiverse. And, and, and I will say this shouts to, some of the people on the chorus uh, message you know, message boards and comment section that called pretty much that this, we were not going to have a multiverse, uh, that this was, you know, or at least not in this film. They just kind of mentioned it and made it kind of a joke. Uh, but I, I thought he was great. I thought that we got exactly what we needed out of that character. And I hope he's not, I hope he's not gone. I really hope he's not gone. I agree. I agree. And it's so like, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Mysterio character in the comics and like it exactly like he is a um, I, I believe I believe in the comics it, it fluctuates sl- slightly here and there but overall like he's a he's someone who is like a special effects artist he's a special and, effects yeah. artist yeah and he yeah. and and when I saw like in the previews that they were doing this like hero thing with him and everything I was like oh man I was like are they taking him away from that. But they built this extra oomph of his character with, you know, tying it into Tony and tying it into the... Uh, and I I know with the MCU, it is kind of getting a little tiring of... All the retconning. <laughs> yep. Retconning, but also, like, just, it's like, of course, it's in response to something Tony did. Like, I do uh, yeah. think <laughs> now we need to start mm-hmm. moving away f- away from that. I think this is, like, the, the best, like, last one to do with, with the response to Tony. Yeah, yep. like, that was, it was done so well. It was really funny. That was great. <laughs> It'll get tiresome if they keep going with it. Exactly. Though. Totally and, agree. And especially now that he's dead. 
spoilers um and but the way that they they still kept like that as you as you guys were saying the the theatricality to to him and everything the way he's uh commanding his crew and directing people like on set when they're working through everything like it it, they fit the core of his character in with this new storyline and they did it so well and they even did the the way the way they worked it out it it had this kind of almost meta feeling to the 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 state of movies right now that it's like when he gives his big speech and he's talking about that like nobody cares like what you have to say unless you have big lasers <laughs> and a cape and everything all i'm sitting here and thinking is i'm just like he's talking about just all the in a, in a meta in way the yeah. superhero movies that are making all the money and then like the indie <laughs> movies and original ips that no one gives a crap about and yeah. it's like and uh, i saw this the same week as midsummer so that did not oh. hit me the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I still Which need, I to, still see need that. to see. I still yeah. need to it's see. It's amazing. Wait for Midsummer. Definitely see it. Um, I almost, I almost stole a poster, a Midsummer poster at AMC because it was on the table, and I was like, I feel oh. like that's for free, but I don't know. <laughs> it feels like they just left. You're it there a good by soul. Accident. We need more yeah. of you. <laughs> but it's yeah. I would have jacked it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would have supported that. Too. I would have jacked it too. Um, yeah, like just the 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 way they worked his whole storyline with it. It it felt like this this great nod to just this the state of the industry, but also within the universe. And then it also even felt almost meta to the crazy directors that Jake Gyllenhaal has worked with. That he <laughs> now gets to lash out at all his actors and everything. He does it's so great, <laughs> and he does it Velvet so Buzzsaw well. Velvet Buzzsaw alone. Yes, yeah, he was the yeah. director from hell in that moment, pointing the uh, drones. At oh, their God, foreheads yeah. and basically yeah. like get uh, it right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, get so it right to pay the price. But it was also like I, I like how they took like what you said. He's like a special effects person, but then he took like you took the modern twist. That's what I've always loved about this this iteration of Spider Man is like they aren't they're mm-hmm. all kids and they go to a tech school and like Flash is not a white kid and MJ is not a white chick. You know, it's like everyone is is different and and uh they've for this they've updated it where it's like all the drones are doing the effects you know all of the drones are making right there's no what's magic going on there's no magic yeah. and it's like actually really like the, we can get to the more later which i'll talk about but like there's so they felt like so current this film in a lot of ways down to you know even the cliffhanger at the end in a lot of ways felt like very current and modern i completely agree yeah i also like how they just have him walking around like he's in a green room the entire time pretty much yes. he's in a mocap suit, suit. Yeah. 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 suit yeah that was yeah. like super meta oh. <laughs> he's so good in this yeah no he 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 owns it like completely how are we doing on that cape how are we doing on that cape <laughs> I, I could, I'm literally hours from possibly shaking hands with the queen. I need those wrinkles. Now. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that line was great. Uh, yeah. And the dynamic between Mysterio and Peter the entire time, too, it changes based on the circumstances, but it still works so well when Peter is very trusting totally. of him. And even when he's not, when he's realized everything that's happened. And you just have these moments where you're kind of like, oh, okay, the dynamic has clearly changed, but it didn't affect the chemistry between the two characters in a bad way. And, you know, obviously, there's more chemistry to talk about in this movie, because you then have the Peter and MJ storyline. And, you know, we all knew this was coming, but it's still so awkward and lovable. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I loved Peter and MJ. 
Yeah. That was something I was so ready for, honestly. Like, the MCU has had this long series of very sad, tragic relationships. Even when you get into, like, uh, Iron Man and Pepper Potts, it's very emotional and very tragic because no one can come between, you know, the superhero and their calling and all of that. And then there's MJ. And she's not just a prop either, kind of like how we feel with Jane and Thor's relationship at first. And then, you know, you have Mm -hmm. things going on with Black Widow and Bruce. And, you know, you kind of have these relationships that I feel didn't necessarily work. But then when you have the ones like Tony and Pepper and Peter and MJ that just work because they let the women be themselves. Yeah. It just feels so much better. And that's what this really felt like. You know, MJ was very much still MJ and she was smart enough to figure out who he was. <laughs> I love so that. So well done. So I well love done. that she was just like, Yeah, I figured it out. And then when and then when she finds out, she's like, Wait, I was right. <laughs> I was right. I was the only whole like sixty seven percent sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and Zendaya Zendaya's performance has to be a hundred percent applauded here because she is just such a perfect MJ. Because like really I've I've read lots and lots and lots of Spider Man comics and MJ is never like the goody two shoes like nope. bright happy girl. She is always very sarcastic and uh, at times caustic uh, to Spider Man and. Zendaya really personifies that. And I thought how they explore that in this one where she's just like, so you're, you're Spider-Man. I know. Oh shit. I'm right. You are Spider-Man. Oh God. (laughs) What do I do with this information? How do I unpack? (laughs) But she still likes him. She still has that nerdy, like, Oh, but I like you. Hey, how's it going? No. You know, there's so much fun going on. They were, they were adorable to watch them flirt. And Definitely. like, not even realize they were flirting, but yes, like I, I, for me to watch it, yeah, she is, she's fantastic, and she's just fantastic in pretty much everything. I haven't seen her in mm-hmm. much, Anything but the things does, I've seen fun. her in, I'm watching Euphoria right now, and she's just so good. I need uh, to dude, that. I saw, uh, what was it? Uh, small feet. I haven't seen that the, yet. the horrific, uh, Yeti. Okay. Yeah. Movie. And <laughs> she's good even in that. She she like can polish a, a turd basically is what. Yes, she's yeah, like, still fun. She uh yeah, she's great. And like and like you said, you know, in the in what I've seen of her character in the comics, what I've seen of her, I love the Spider-Man PlayStation game. Shouts to that game is so fun. And uh, I was playing it before we started recording. Her character in the <laughs> game, and what I love about her character is that she rushes into action. She's, like you said, not a prop. She is very much like sneaking around, helping out, like, you know, driving, like basically giving Spider Man his intel and a lot of stuff. Like, she's very much, I think of Spider Man as like Mary Jane, uh, you know, Mary Jane and, uh, Spider-Man is like a buddy cop almost sometimes, you know, like they're right, really like from bo- uh, the thin man. Yeah. Like if we're going to go back to way old times, like the thin <laughs> man with his wife, Nora. Exactly. Where yeah. Oh, wow. They're investigators together. Exactly. It's like a team. It's a group effort. And, and Peter very much needs her. Like, I feel like Peter needs her more than she needs him. At oh, any given time. Like totally. he swings in to save at the end of the day, you know, at the very last moment sometimes. But like no idea what's going on. He's clueless. She's like, Let me just explain this she's out his, to you. you know, this is what's he's happening. got the spider sense, but she's his eyes. 
you know, and, and, and she's his cue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like that she challenges his intellect. Uh, I like that. Um, she isn't happy sitting on the sidelines that she's a woman of action. And that's, you know, something like, like you said, you know, they're very few and far in this universe, even though these films are a lot of fun. Like, you know, there's certain weak points in any movie and, and it's, I don't know if we've gotten anything quite like Pepper Potts and Tony yet. And this is just watching them unfold on screen was just, you know, delightful. Absolutely. Like their, their chemistry, the the awkward chemistry it it feels it feels so natural it feels so true to just their themselves and their age you know even when she uh you know says like you're spider-man and everything and then he says to her um you know wait were you only watching me because you thought i was spider-man yeah. and you can tell like she wants to she wants to say no, no. like i like you <laughs> yeah. but she's an awkward teenager and <laughs> right like, oh, so she's yeah, like yeah totally. totes that's yeah, it why else would i watch I swear. you and then, you know, later, you know, she obviously, you know, comes clean. Um, but, yeah, like the two of them are just so, so fun together. Their back and forth is amazing. Like I could just watch an entire movie of them just hanging out. Even um, their kiss is awkward and adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The it fact is. that, like, you know, they kind of like, oh, peck first. Oh, OK, cool. Like such teenagers. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, so that just happened. And then, yeah. And, yeah, like her being like the the you know, like a person of action, you know, grabbing the mace and, you know, trying to help out. And then when she rushes to see, you know, if Peter's okay and then he's okay, you know, she still tries to play it off cool. Like, oh, you know, I brought this in case I could help, (laughs) you know, in case I could help, you know, they're trying to shield the, the, I was terrified that like we were both going to die. You know, it's, um, it, she's very strong. Yes. yeah. Yeah. And it's, she was fantastic in, in homecoming and and it's like I'll I I'm totally okay with her being MJ because she's perfect as MJ. Um obviously her name is Michelle and her name is not Mary Jane, but right. who cares? Who yeah. cares? I'll say that when I saw Homecoming, I had no problem with her being MJ, but the execution of it just being like, oh by the way, I'm MJ was kind of one of those that's like, oh well that sounds kind of that that feels like the MCU trying to uh, like hat force, tip. A, force a little force a little twist you know it was like it was like we know you know benedict cumberbatch is con but he's like no i'm not con and then yeah. in the movie he's con so that was a very a very it's, apt comparison yeah and so it was like my issue was only with the execution but her being mj i i was just kind of like i mean i would have been fine if you just made her mj the whole time like yeah. and it would have been great because she is perfect in the role she and Tom Holland are perfect together. That that whole I even want to give a shout out to just the surrounding crew, like Ned, yeah. uh, Betty. I love this iteration of Flash. You know, it's yeah. he is absolutely hilarious. Oh yes, I definitely want to talk about Flash. Yeah, like yeah. they're just there's the, a lot to be explored with that one too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, there's a, the whole the whole crew works really well. They feel they feel like school friends. They feel you know it's like you can tell like they're they're definitely a group of friends, but then you know someone like flash you can tell he keeps his distance of you know having to be this person that he's trying to be um yeah. but it's like i feel like we get vibes of him just being like i feel like you can tell he thinks like peter parker's not all bad but he's you know he's got it he's got to just be like you know whatever you yeah, know got what, an what up dickwad you know? yeah he's got he's got a dim, an image to uphold and like you said you know ned and betty's 
summer fling was just Hilarious. one more thing that reminded me of my childhood. You know, it brought me back to like summer oh, camp babe. where babe, babe, but like also the fact that at the end they're like, Oh yeah, it's over. You know, it's yeah. like gone as quickly as it, it I love how happy they were. Sometimes with people that grow they're apart, like, Oh Peter. no, we're not together anymore. Yeah, it was fine. It was like but it was yeah, it's just like babe, babe and and uh you know, like the scene where she's like, I kiss you but I threw up and he's like, I think I got a mint. It's like <laughs> Like, honestly, I know this just, like, sounds super weird, but, like, I remember being a kid and, like, how, you know, like, it was just all of that tugged on the right heartstrings. It and did. It did. I thought that you're right. Uh, Flash, I think we're going to ultimately see more about – I hope we do at least. I really like the kid who plays him, too. Uh, he's been in some other stuff now. Tony, Tony – I almost want to call his name. Uh, I know I'm going to butcher his last name because I, 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 it's like Ravioli. I want to say like Ravioli, of course. But like, <laughs> I think it's Revolori. Revolori. He's he's okay. great. And and I, I've i seen him in some other stuff, but they you could tell they started to kind of pull the curtain back on like, oh, is mom not here, you know, to pick me up from the airport yeah. or something like that? It's like, okay, why would you do that if not to like, there's been some rumors of like who his parents could possibly be. You know, uh, so there's all sorts of stuff to play with on these other characters, but also um, the teachers, you know, like I, I'm curious to hear what you guys <laughs> thought of the teachers and, and how they interacted oh, with, with the rest of the cast. <laughs> They're so incompetent. It's hilarious. JB Smooth. JB Smooth. Yeah. Witches. Yeah, oh I got I got the third shift. I just took an Ambien. <laughs> Martin Starr is always hilarious. I can't I I can't get enough of him. So yeah. it's like I was I was super super into his JB Smoove. I thought was really funny, but I didn't. I felt like they didn't give him enough. To they do. didn't give him enough. They didn't. I, give him I'm enough. a huge uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, so anytime I see JB Smoove, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like he Every nailed day. everything. I they just want more. They did <laughs> give him good lines. I agree. More, more yeah. JB Smoove. Yeah. Come on. I'm hoping they have future plans for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he was. I mean, they brought Martin Starr back. The teachers yeah. are such obviously a good reaction. Well. Like as a reactionary actor, he's perfect. Definitely. And they're just like bumbling adults. <laughs> they don't even get anything done. Yeah. I mean, like no. really, like Happy Hogan is the same way in there. But at least he tries. Like they, they're always just kind of like running for cover. Oh yeah, they're the worst chaperones. Ever. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah they are taking them. It. Like oh yeah, we're gonna take you instead of going to the Festival of Lights, we're gonna go to well, the opera for four hours. But you- to be serious, as like teen. Teenagers, they would have been the best chaperone. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. They Absolutely. Would have had no, no grasp on what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a, a, a through line from Martin Starr's character was in uh, in Homecoming when there's the little line like after the thing in Washington where he's he's like, you know, I, I'm just glad that everyone was okay and couldn't lose know, another kid. Knew, didn't lose another kid. You know, not again. <laughs> yeah. and not again. Not again. Yeah, they had this through line of like when Peter shows up, he's like, oh good, thanks. I'm so glad you're not dead. And he's like, go, you know, pack and don't die like, yeah just... <laughs> nice follow through with that character and and you know one of the things i don't even think we we touched on but like what about fury and and hill in this and obviously we can talk about technically like were they really in this but yeah uh i really enjoyed them you know interacting the scene where fury's trying to talk to peter and everyone keeps trying to come into the room it's like <laughs> It's like, but the great thing about Fury and also, you know, I, I spoiler obviously at this point, Talos is they're kind of similar. 
Like they're kind of similar characters, so I could see a lot of the stuff that Talos is if he is in fact Fury the whole time. If we're led to believe that, I could see him. So, I think that's the impression. Yeah, and I like that. I thought that was really good. I um, so I really like the supporting cast did a good job of like adding bits and pieces, but ultimately getting out of the way for people like Mysterio and MJ and Peter. Yeah, they, it was nice that that was, and I have kind of conflicting feelings on the scrolls inclusion mm-hmm. so the second time i watched it now having known that it kind of bummed me out a little bit that i'm like oh all these like fun back and forth that peter had with fury it's not actually with fury and it right. kind of almost like took it down a little bit for me but at the same that. time i love that character in captain marvel he was one of my favorite parts of that movie Talos. and yeah so yeah. it's like i i'm also like I'm also kind of okay with it because it just gave me more with him. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes at least. Um, But I'm glad that they kept it. It was this background thing and here's the surprise. But yeah, it's not like this. Here's this additional plot line that's going to take away from everything else that we're focusing on. I think you're right. It added it. Like if anything, you're like, oh, you just saw this. Here's like another nugget for you to like think about. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It definitely makes me interested to see where they, they take it. Um, but it was still, it was, it was, it was done well and it was fun. I was glad to get a lot of good stuff with Maria Hill because I feel like she's a character that is pretty cool in the comic books and has never really gotten a true chance to shine in the MCU. So I, I really enjoyed her stuff. Did she, did she get any good lines in this one? Cause I thought, I thought she was like, I mean, I love, when Holy she blew smolders. up the drone, and like you said, oh, yeah, we'll yes. talk about the, the mid-credits yeah. and post-credits scenes towards the end here to sort yeah. of determine, because yeah. obviously you, we know the actors are playing the characters, but whether or not the characters are playing the characters is a different thing. Yeah. I'd love to know if Samuel Jackson and Colby Smulders knew. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. and That would be I, really funny, actually, yeah. <laughs> I think what they did a really nice job of with all of these surrounding characters is that they didn't spend too much time on any of them. You talked about Ned and Betty, and they knew that that was something that couldn't extend beyond this movie. It had to be a summer fling because if they said babe more than they did in this movie in a second movie, that would be too much. <laughs> and yeah. you know, too much. And they knew exactly what to do with the teachers, even though we felt like we wanted more of JB Smoove because it's JB Smoove, but they yeah. knew exactly who they wanted these characters to be and Brad was the obstacle. We didn't really talk about him much, but he was in Peter's eyes sort of the real life obstacle that he was trying to deal with and accidentally tried to kill. But (laughs) (laughs) that was great. I almost killed Brad. You almost killed Brad. (laughs) And yet MJ, after she basically confirms, she still stands up for Peter, even though Brad's like, but he was in this room with his pants off. (laughs) And they're like, why are you taking pictures of people in the bathroom? Even though it wasn't their bathroom. And I think JB Smooth like gets to cap it off, and he's like, yes. "You really got to talk yes. about that. You can't yeah. be doing I'm be that." Cool teacher, for now, you really yeah. got to that. <laughs> yeah, but before we dive into the mid and post credit scenes, because I know there's quite a bit to unpack with those two yes. things. Yeah. What do you guys think this story really accomplished? Like I said, we kind of knew that this was going to be a bridge between the events of Endgame and what comes next, but at the same time, it's still for me, accomplished this 
great story of personal growth for Peter. And a lot happens in this. You know, it's what, about two hours and 10 minutes. And they pack a lot into it. You know, you have, we barely even touched on Happy and Aunt May, which is a whole other thing that Peter's trying to wrap his head around and seemingly can't. (laughs) I think this story really dives deep into kind of the outside aspects of Peter's life in regards to like the Aunt May and Happy. And like, he's still trying to make it work in school and hide his identity from his classmates and to the point of creating another identity, the Night Monkey. (laughs) Amazing. You know, like he is really trying to maintain this separation. And as we see at the end, like, that's over. That's over for him. And I'm really interested to see what that means for the rest of the MCU. But Peter really is forced to choose in this film in regards to how he deals with his Peter life and his Spider-Man life. And I love that. I love that they're like, well, we're going to force this with you because the MCU is all about like, well, you can be a superhero or you can be a regular person. Like it doesn't give you the option like comics do where you can kind of walk this intangible in between spot. So I'm so excited to see kind of how they handle that going forward. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think, you know, it's funny when I first walked out of this film, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I still, and it has nothing nothing to do with this film so much as more like I felt like Homecoming was like the first proper Spider Man I had been given, um, as far as like him being a kid and uh, you know getting other kids and not feel you know not seeing all these adults play kids and just the the curiosity <laughs> of it all high school kids yeah <laughs> just like all these yeah all these things that felt out of place in certain other films. You know, while both other Spider-Man actors in those films have their own good parts, like, I felt like that was one of the things that was truly missing. And now seeing it a second time and talking about it, it's like, this is like the natural progression. It's like he's getting older. He's got more responsibilities than most kids his age, but he still has to very much deal with all of the same problems that they're dealing with while dealing with all of this other stuff. And I think that's always what made... Spider-Man so cool uh, is and unbelievable is that he had to do all this stuff, whether it's like Tobey Maguire being the pizza boy and the photographer and the other ones and what you see in the comics. And what I love about this is that even though he's getting older, he's still kind of got this awkward thing about him. Even though he's like a genius in his own right, he still does silly boy things. You know, he's like very much um, in development and, and, you know, progressing. And, uh, I felt like this story did so well and, and tying a lot of that together. And, and like Katie said, you know, what we get at the end, it's like, who knows what's next. (laughs) It's, it it has a lot of potential and a lot of, you know, a lot of possibilities. Definitely. And so like Spider-Man is hands down, you know, at, at least as far as Marvel, like favorite, favorite character in Marvel. Um, and all the other movies they've, it, you know the Tobey Maguire ones. They they all did certain things well, and they worked for what they were. You know, for the most part. And then like the Andrew Garfield one, it's like those like had things that worked really well. Because then it's like in in those ones, that was when I started to feel like, oh, they're getting like visually like the choreography of how Spider-Man flows. Like the, yeah. this is stuff we didn't see in the Tobey Maguire ones. It was like they kept slowly adding things that was like 
we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there with Spider-Man. What you knew Spider-Man could be, you know, it's almost similar to the video games, watching him run around versus old versions. You're like, oh, we're <laughs> exactly. Finally, we're finally getting what we had visioned in our head, hopefully. Absolutely. And the and then with Homecoming, I completely agree, Jonathan. Like, that was like, even though it added this this thing of like, you know, Oh, Tony's giving him the suit and stuff like that. It right. was, so it was like kind of taking away from some of the things that we're used to with Peter Parker. It still felt like the most Peter Parker and the most Spider-Man that we that we've had so far. And then this one, I think it took it even further. Um, this one, the him struggling with being Spider-Man and not being Spider-Man and wanting to live this normal life. I think this movie definitely handled that in some of the best ways that we've seen on screen yet for Spider-Man. Um, and then, you know, any issue of, oh, well, why doesn't he like, you know, make his own suits or anything? We get that scene and it's like, yeah, he's using Tony Stark tech, but it's this beautiful scene after this great Uh, conversation with him and happy, super emotional. It's like, I'm already like, I'm already like eyes watering from, from the conversation he had. And then he goes and he's working on the suit. And of course there's the funny joke of he puts the music on and then it's, uh, uh, and it's like, I love Led Zeppelin. And then, uh, but it's like just watching, like watching Peter starting to use the tech and then he like swoops his hand in and it's just like Tony. And then they cut to back to happy and he's got the, you know, the look look. in his eye. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, God damn this movie. (laughs) But then it's like as he's putting the suit together, you're listening to him be super technical and super scientific about how he's going to modify these things because he he's fought the the elementals and everything and he's fought Mysterio and he's like, all right, well, these things with my regular webs didn't work. So let's modify these things to combat like what what I need to like. It's showing his intelligence and and his and his love for science that is so great with with him and Tony with um and so I really really enjoyed that and the fact that it's like this weird uh like tube that he makes the suit in yeah uh, it's been a long time since I've read the original Secret Wars comic book but there I believe there's uh there's just this this weird kind of side part in that series where they're on this weird earth and everything but there's a machine that they can build their own suits out of and that's how he gets the black suit for the first time nice um and I remember reading it and being like, that's kind of dumb. And, you know, but, it's, <laughs> Oops. but then 3D printing came along and, yeah. you know, Tim's opinions had completely changed. No. Exactly. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, you know what? Well, maybe it's that's not brilliant. so dumb. I was like, I was like, that's, you know what? That's I'm, I thoroughly appreciate the this this tying this together. And uh, and I love it. And it's one of the things you never really see in the other Spider-Man movies, like aside from like a quick montage yeah, I don't think you ever really see a proper like. How does he build the suit? How does he go from making this like crappy suit he wrestled in a ring to like yeah. this really advanced suit? Okay, like this yeah. was like I, I felt like like you said you're right. It's a little different than the source material. Tony get you know giving his tech, but it like makes it almost more believable. <laughs> like absolutely, and it works. Yeah, it definitely works, and that and and that's that's something that. The MCU, I feel like, has done so well, and you you mentioned this earlier, taking taking the classic things we know, but then modernizing them in just the right way, so it it works yeah. in in the universe, so that it it's really easy for me to sit there and be like, yeah, well, who cares that that's not exactly like it because they 
did their own take on it. And granted, if I wanted it to be exactly the same, I'll just go read the comic. But exactly. it's like you're you're giving me a little bit of a twist. So I have that added bit of nostalgia of a story I know, but you're giving me something new and fresh. And the biggest thing that I think this movie did was build upon Peter Parker as Spider-Man and him, you know, when he's fighting Mysterio and he, I can't believe, I don't think any of us have mentioned Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle. <laughs> oh my God. And, I'm and just like, realizing how much good stuff was in this movie just based yeah. on how many things we keep forgetting. Like, yeah. I don't exactly. think I we, want them to keep using that term though. I no. think it's one no, of those things. Either. It's like Betty and Ned where if they do it yeah. too much, it'll become overplayed pretty quickly. Yeah. But it served a purpose in this movie, even if it's just a teeny tiny purpose. And yeah. Tim, I'm glad you brought up everything with the suit because you have this moment in Homecoming where, you know, Peter has his homemade suit and he's using the resources that he has and he's going to school and making his web fluid because the school has those resources for him to do that. But it's not a stretch to think that. Peter would be able to come up with something much, much better than that homemade sweatsuit that he basically had yeah. if he has Tony Stark's resources. resources. He has exactly. the brain to do it. You know, we've determined that he is very, very book smart. And, you know, his intelligence goes far beyond just being book smart, too. You see his eyes light up when Beck mentions a multiverse and he just starts rambling on <laughs> and oh, everyone sort of an turns and scene. looks at him and he's like oh okay I, I can yep. see yeah. that <laughs> and even never Beck, apologize for being the smartest person in the room yeah, and then and the follow up line. the follow up I felt like that was actually one of my favorite Maria Hill moments where she just was like okay nerd <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I felt like it was almost like even though like I, I felt like it almost gave off two impressions one that she's like nerd and then all also, she's like, you guys think you're the smartest people in the room, exactly. basically. But like, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were definitely a lot of fun moments, and this story accomplishes a lot in setting up who Peter is going to be going forward. He makes that choice at the end to not just give up and go back to being a normal high school kid, and a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that MJ knows now and she's very okay with it. You know, she's like, you know, these things would have gone terribly wrong if it weren't for you. And she doesn't have to say that for him to really get that message mm -hmm. from her, because she's not the kind of person who's just going to come out and say that she's probably going to have some snarky remark or something to just kind of get that point across. And, you know, that kind of happens when she runs to go find him. And then she still takes the mace with her, <laughs> like, yeah. as if that's really going to help her in the bigger scheme of things. But you know, she's a fighter, like we've said, and there's just so much that I really loved with this story. But I think now is a good time to talk about the mid and post credit scenes. We've obviously talked about Talos a bit here, and he's with his wife, Soren, if I'm not mistaken, in the car at the end there. That's who he's with. And she was the one supposedly, you know, portraying Maria Hill the entire time. So because you have them in this movie, a lot of those things like the look Maria gives Peter in the base when he you know, starts talking about the multiverse, Jonathan, you mentioned she's kind of like, yeah, you think you're the smartest person in the room. And that's because, you know, there's so much that humans don't understand within the Marvel universe. Yeah, And yeah. it's something that, you know, clearly Peter has an interest in it. So to see those two pop up later on, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, looking back, a few more things 
make more sense. And yeah, especially when, especially when Nick Fury hung up on happy (laughs) and you know, (laughs) he was giving him the coded message. Talos was probably like, who is this dude? Yeah. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah. yeah. Why am I like kind of being? Fo- I'm, he's like pulling favors for Fury. You know, it's like you could tell it was he was there and kind of getting fed up. But I love it. You know, I didn't even think about that, Dan, until you mentioned it. Like you're right, knowing that she was actually Soren, and they're because t- I I always thought it was just like uh, you guys are like basically like stroking each other's egos right now and rolling <laughs> my eyes at you. But it's also like an extra layer because you're right. She's been hiding in space and been like, you guys like think you know everything, but you don't know who I am right now. You know, yeah. it's like it's she. You, oh man, that makes it even better for me. Um, <laughs> but I I like that. I did not see that. First off, the, I mean, we should talk about. We can talk about the jokey mid credit scene first, since we're already talking about this. But I, I really like Nick Fury in space <laughs> that that reveal and um, it was so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. and Katie, I, I meant to ask you because I had heard something that like it could have been setting up something called Sword, which was like oh shield yes. in That's what I've space. Heard too. It's uh-huh. like Shield in space or something like that. I haven't heard anything about that. Okay. I think it's. It's still really under wraps with Marvel where they're going. Right. That's kind of the impression I've gotten from everything I've read because I've really been trying to stay up to date on, okay, what are they doing with this? And I think I would guess we probably won't get anything from Marvel until next August at the next Comic-Con. Yeah. That's my guess as to when they'll say, here's what we're doing. Well, I mean, yeah, that's but... like, com- you, mean, you mean the one that's coming up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's right. Oh, um... no. I, I would guess it'll be the one after. I don't, I don't think, think like, some... I don't think any of the big studios are doing anything at Comic-Con yeah. this year. Oh, nope. is, I think we'll get something uh, to prepare us for like the February and May release that Marvel will have, but I don't think we'll get anything. I was hoping we like... would at least get a slate like they did back yeah. when they revealed the slate. They might. Because we know we've got, they're filming, I've seen photos of them filming the Scarlet, uh, sorry, not Scarlet Witch, uh, uh, Black Widow movie, yep. which I'm very, very excited about. And uh, what, Shang- Shang-Chi? Yeah. Yep. Um, I think we'll get something. They do yeah. have about that. quite a few things that it's like people kind of know about, but Jonathan. The Eternals? Oh, yeah. Eternals. Yes. That's what's coming yeah. out with right. Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, it is that- pretty crazy that this is like, I feel like this is one of the first times in a long time that a Marvel movie has come out. And we really have no information on what the next thing What's is. What's next? Nothing. Like, right? <laughs> aside from Disney+. I think Plus. they like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like, like it. Because... The, not knowing the massive slate is yeah. kind of enjoyable well, and just I think along for the Disney ride. Plus isn't coming out till November. November. And yeah. so I think they are kind of holding everything yeah. in a pattern until then. And then I think in uh, 2020 will really get uh, more of a picture of this is where they're going to go. I'm kind of okay with that, to be honest, because they uh, throw same. so much information at us at once. I need and a break. We, we know <laughs> break. that the Black Widow movie is coming up. We know that they have the Eternals going on, Shang-Chi, and obviously the post credit scene here, which we should talk about real quick, sets up what's going to happen next with Spider-Man specifically, Oy. because mm-hmm. his identity is out and they brought J.K. Simmons back as oh, <laughs> Jonah Jameson, which was a very good move for a, for the fans who really liked that character and the portrayal yeah. of that character previously. I almost like, jumped out of my seat when it when he popped I up. I did not <laughs> see that coming. I, I I was hoping we would get, you know, J. Jonah Jameson, but I was not expecting that. And I will say 
the reason it worked for me, because I'm a fan of what Disney's been doing with all of the recasting and rebuilding of these characters. And I was excited to see who they might recast that role as. But the Mm -hmm. reason I think this works is because they painted it in such an Alex Jones way. (laughs) that Oh, it was perfect. I was like, okay, all right, this works now. This like, yeah, suddenly work like this character now works in this universe. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, it's like, okay, they brought him, they brought him back, but they didn't bring him back as just exactly as he was. They brought him back because the fans are so closely tied to, to how much they love his portrayal of it. And And so they're like, we're going to give you a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he, you could tell he's having so much fun. And it's right? like, so it's like, all right, here, we're going to throw this for you, but don't worry. We're also not rehashing anything. Like yeah, we're giving you what right. you want, but we're still giving you something new. I thought the end credits were just so fun. Like, yeah. and that they, because, you know, with uh, Endgame, there really weren't any end credits. And so yeah. it was like okay, what are we going to get here? Is Feige done doing this? And then we got to see so much and it felt like, oh, good. Things <laughs> are going to be hints. okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've got some hints as to what's coming because I want to know. Like, I am I am excited to see what's coming and I love that J. J. Jonah Jameson came back and we get to see a little bit of it, but they're still twisting it like we've talked about. Like, I think they handled this really well. Yeah. And gave us perspective without giving away too much. Yeah. And Tim, real quick here, you mentioned you were playing the video game earlier today. And I don't have a PlayStation 4, so I haven't personally played it. But when I was editing for a Spider-Man website, I wrote quite a bit about the game and watched the trailers and everything like that. And can you confirm for me, is this version of J. Jonah Jameson that we see in the post credits kind of like the one that we hear in the video game? Because he has a podcast, essentially, in Absolutely. the video game. It's, okay. This is this is yeah. like, it, it. they literally took exactly how the character is in the video game. Uh, the only difference is, is in the video game, you never see him. Okay. You, see he, him. He, you He's just, just a voice. You just come but up, that's one come of the up best every parts. once in a while. It's one of oh, the best parts hilarious. about the game is you just hear yeah. all these different audio recordings of J. Jonah Jameson, like taking a good thing and then turning it into like, <laughs> yeah. He's a it's done, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's done so well. That's right. So well. And it harkens back to the comics so much too, because when you're reading, yes. the, especially like the original run, you know, Stan Lee's run mm-hmm. and everything, he's very much like that. And I love that they haven't really tried to change the character from his roots too much because he is this crotchety old man, really. <laughs> and it just works yeah. so well. Yeah, they updated him just enough, but he's still, it's it's still basically the same exact character. They just update his format basically because his format has changed. Yeah. And I felt like that was coming. I honestly, like that was one of the things I was like, you know, I could see them bringing him back, but never in a way where Peter's working at a newspaper, taking photos for now. Yeah. And like, we haven't haven't really seen Peter be a photographer in any of these. No, I don't think think so. They're just not going to go that way. I'd feel like it would be more likely we'd see him, Working with like a Dr. Octavius or something, you know, yeah. like going that route than working for the Bugle. And agreed. 
I could see MJ working for yes, uh, yeah, a, a photography thing because they they give that moment of when she sees like the cool thing with the crabs by the water. Like the, her first thing is like, oh, cool, and she's like really focusing on because she's a, a picture. I forget she reporter in the video game. Like she's she's, she's a reporter, crab. In the video yeah. Game. So yeah. like I could see that happening. I think that would be a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, I like agree. you know they could bring. The who skeptic. knows if we'll get more of them? <laughs> yeah, well, who knows if? Well, it it just it was gonna be interesting to see like. Uh, these things that were like we could see them you know going in this direction but they all still very much look like they're in high school so i'm interested to see how long do they keep them in high school i know there's a limit time limit well it's like where do we go from here is he on the run are they like is he going to be denying it in the next film like he can't deny it now because everyone else right is he gonna take on iron man's role they can use a scroll to to like do uh, like a Superman type thing where it's like, oh, look, see, I'm Clark Kent and yeah. you're Superman oh, yeah, standing true. here. I didn't even think about so that. They like, could do something like that. but I mean, I just can't see him. I mean, well, the thing is, you're right. Like, we only have that footage that he shows off. But like, I don't know. Could we see him? Like, if you had to guess, do you think he's living out in public when we catch up with him next, whether it's in Spider-Man 3 or, you know, whatever? I, I have a hard time believing we're not going to see him until another Spider-Man movie. I agree. At least from the stuff that we know is coming up, it doesn't sound like anything that he would be in. Right. I'm interested to see definitely where they go with this. My first initial reaction I was actually mad about it because I was mm. like, the MCU is utterly incapable of having secret identities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they it's really true. are. True fact. But it was such a big cliffhanger for yeah. where Peter is at in his life at that moment. You know, we get the great yeah. scene with him swinging around town with MJ and she was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and that was I such a great, that. it was, it was so such cute. a great contrast of like the typical thing of like the, Oh, catch the, her before she falls. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, and then like, you know, in the old Spider-Man ones or in Superman and stuff, like it's it's always like it was like oh, a mode of transport. Is amazing. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, and so to yeah, see it's it, like a magic like carpet terrifying. ride, to see a genuine reaction of just like that was awful. I don't. Her hair's all messed I up. I never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. Yeah. And then of course, like him going to say like "oh fuck" and it getting yes! cut off, just uh, like the a... end of Home. That was yes! perfect. <laughs> I love that. I, I was just going to say that. Like, that was such a great... I love that they did that. What yeah. the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just great. Perfect. And shout to just the credits themselves. Like, the 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 animation stuff they've done with both Homecoming and this are some of my yeah. favorite just, like, credits to sit there and watch. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, really. This overall well was just done. a great package. But, like, I'm curious to hear, like, in this, do you more so see him, like, living out in public or do you see him on the run or do you see it being, like, Iron Man where he really isn't, like, in trouble for anything but he's on the radar of like everyone in the world now i feel like he's gonna have to be in some kind of hiding because he has to lay low for a while i think after yeah. that yep. and figure things out because- i feel like he'll go into the avengers and like pepper Potts will well, we're just gonna cover you with safety that's right i mean he's like he's he's got to be protected by like pepper Tony's knows who he is. yeah yeah because yeah. he's he's not just being outed like he's being outed and accused for right. uh, a dr- massive drone spy attacked yeah he's being attacked this isn't just like oh this is who spidey is it's much more sinister yeah which also we were discussing a little briefly we you know kind of hoping that mysterio you know isn't dead and is he really dead it's i feel like the the way the way the that is done in the post credit makes me feel like he's still alive and that um he pulled off one last grand he illusion. Yeah, one, one last, last trick. trick. Yeah. Because you even see it's like the his one helper from 
Iron Man one, who was like manning the computer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like he packs yeah. up the computers and leaves. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if it's like, here's our contingency. We meet, you know, here or whatever. And he did say he had contingencies in place. Yeah. yeah. And he, yep. he he says something the second time I watched it, he says something like after he's like, get rid of the illusion. And he's like, he's like, but he's like, we can fix it. And he's like, people will see you. And he's like, they will see what I want them to see. Want them to see. And then yep. right after he says, prepare my something suit. I forget what he says. And um, oh, I think it's like his stage red. The one that like the woman was like, yeah, ironing you, for him. Ironing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like cape coming. And so I'm just so I'm just like, I'm just like, I wonder if. On top of that, like it was, it was like, uh, it was like a code to set up the the last like illusion that it's like, all right, he's gonna Peter Parker's gonna think that he's going up against me, but then it's not really me. And his one plan is, oh, he's, uh, he's gonna be invisible and try to shoot him, and Peter sees that. But then yeah. it's like there, there's got to be something more to that, and that that scene was so great to see him just like channel and use the. The, just Spider the visuals sense. of how he did uh, the visuals of Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't believe I feel like we haven't even talked about that, really. That whole sequence of his battle with Mysterio, the special effects and the visuals were so cool and so unique. And that's something it's that, funny that he closed his eyes similar to like Luke and yes, Star yeah, Wars, exactly. you know, and yeah. like, you know, cut out all the noise because that was the thing he had. And to. they mentioned yeah. Star Wars um, earlier, don't they? Like, oh, you wouldn't get that reference because yeah. it's not Star Wars. It's not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I feel like his jo- his his age is always going to be a joke for the other characters that are older than him. Like, Definitely. That will always be enjoyable and never get old. But yeah, I felt I, I do also the one reason I bring him up being alive is we know that Vulture is still alive. Mm-hmm. That's true. And we had they had rumored that he was going to have like a small part in this. They probably ended up cutting it out of the script or just didn't use what they shot. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what shows up on the Blu-ray too later when they release yeah. that because yeah. I know they've already mentioned some people getting cut out of the movie entirely, like their scenes in particular, other classmates and oh. things like that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to at- see if they have something with the vulture later and you know i think the post credit scene just sets us up for so much uncertainty with peter and in a very exciting way yeah and you know i think we can talk about a little of what might come next because jonathan you mentioned this might be setting up sword and when we see nick fury we don't really know where he is we know he's in space and for anyone who isn't super familiar with this particular agency. It's the Sentient World Observation and Response Department, and they do have their headquarters in space. So for all we know, that's where Nick Fury might be, you know, and I know the scrolls are still looking for a place to live and they're basically... They mentioned Kree sleeper cells. Yeah. Did you you catch that part? I mean, like... Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, they're when they're walking and they get a call, they go, what are you talking about? Like Cree sleeper cells or something like they're talking about, um, you know, a great uh, one more thing I should shout out. If anyone's checked out new rock stars, they do amazing recaps and uh, have really great roundtables as well. But um, there's a lot of I'll send the link around, but there is a lot of great stuff with numbers and symbols in this film that we didn't even discuss. Um, But so much goes uh, on in here. (laughs) Yeah, a lot, a lot, but yeah, no, I, I, I was really happy with it overall. It was just, I was very pleased. They left it open enough to where, unless you have read 
way more of the comics than Katie and I have. <laughs> you know, I don't, I I don't think we'll know exactly yeah. where this is going. Plus the fact that they are pulling from certain storylines in the comics, but not necessarily having them turn out the same way. You know, Civil yeah. War did not right. turn out remotely the same as yeah. <laughs> you nope. know, the comic book series. And there's just so much that I think they can do. And a lot of it also hinges on Sony's plans for Spider-Man. You know, we can't yeah. necessarily count on Spider-Man always being part of the MCU. Oh, and I hope God, Sony I, keeps their deal going. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I would think that Sony would see the returns on yeah, yeah. Homecoming and this movie and be like, well, you know, we're making money, but they saw the same kind of returns with Venom too. And that's kind of what worries yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And and, and we should true. also touch on that because uh, John Watts and like the director of Venom have like talked about like, oh, it's like more likely than you think that they'll team up or interact. And I'm just like, oh, God. No. But that's the thing. It's like it's like the the I, I will be fully honest. I haven't seen Venom yet, but it's amazing. It's not as bad terrible. as I'm making it. It's not as <laughs> yeah. bad as I'm making it out but, to seem. And, and yeah, but it's it like, fine. A good, bad movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, so it's like I feel like if it I feel like if Marvel were to decide, all right, this is a good enough take that that we would be willing to uh to assist in like teaming them up they can yeah. easily course correct and and fix certain things agree to make to make a, a good movie i mean it's tom one thing hardy was good he's, he is know. great it's tom hardy of course he's great it's tom hardy yeah, and like the biggest thing I want to continue to see from the Spider-Man movies is like, especially I'm loving that the villains that they're giving us are ones that we haven't really seen. Now, that's not to right. say that I don't want to see, you know, Doc Ock again, right. Green Goblin again. I'd love to see the Sinister Six. Like, please give me a live yeah, action a, Sinister, Sinister Six. Six finally. Yeah. Yes, please. I think they're spending a lot of time building up Peter as a character before just throwing him into dealing with someone on the level of green goblin and dr octopus because yeah. while mysterio is a big villain and clearly he's a really smart guy just the nature of how he uses his quote-unquote powers is totally yeah. different from how truly dangerous <laughs> green goblin and doc ock can be because their brains work the same way that peter's does but in an evil way <laughs> instead. So it's yeah. just like, or even the same way that Tony's brain worked, but not for good. And I feel like yeah. they should take their time building up to some of his greatest villains. And we have seen some of them, you know, Spider-Man and Batman are two characters that I think, even the Flash, those are some characters yeah, that those, I think I have really, say, really great rogues, rogues galleries. And yeah. they just need to not, waste them all at once you know i think yeah. spacing it out and using them more sparingly and you know in homecoming we saw a lot of villains but really mm -hmm. the vulture was the only one who played a major role you know you yeah. had yeah. two different shockers and you you know you have matt gargan yeah. in prison and aaron davis technically yes like he, and he would go on yeah and there's so much they can do going forward with spider-man's character because they haven't wasted a bunch of the villains and you know it doesn't need to be something as big as leading up to thanos or anything like that but i just right. think Agreed. you can make these stories 
happen in a more natural way instead of just being like, oh, you know, let's just throw everything at them all at once, like some of the other movies have done. Right. And well, and that's why Justice League failed so spectacularly, yes. is we didn't care about any of these characters. We kind of knew Batman. We kind of, and I, when I say kind of, I mean, we, th- those iterations of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and even that's what a lot of like felt bad about Amazing Spider Man 2 to me. Yes. Is they shoved all of these yeah. bad guys in, or, or, or even, sorry, the last Spider Man, uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, mm-hmm. even like mm-hmm. they had, what was it? Uh, Venom, they had Sandman. Oh, you mean I the best like, Spider-Man movie? Yeah, yeah, the best Spider-Man <laughs> movie, obviously. I, you know, uh, how could I forget? Um, <laughs> and you're right, Deanna, like, I would love to see them build up, the like, almost take a reverse approach that we took with the first Avengers film, you know, is instead of, like, focusing all the good all the good characters build up the bad characters in the, in the background of these other films and then have them all come together. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like Thanos was one character we were building up to. It's like, why not we, why don't we take a, you know, all of the aspirations of these other characters and then build them up to be like, maybe like you said, not as big of like an Avengers threat level as like Thanos was with the infinity stones, but definitely it could be a good cap to like the next one of the next phases. And again, it hinges a lot on what Sony does, because so far the villains that mm-hmm. Sony has worked with outside of Venom being more of an anti-hero, they haven't picked up some of the bigger characters like Green Goblin. And, you know, they're working on Morbius and Silver Sable and Black Cat and these other characters that, while they are fun Spider-Man villains, I think, you know, it's one of those things where you can definitely make standalone movies for those villains. And obviously Venom Mm -hmm. as an anti-hero really, really worked. And while, you know, like Katie said, it's a fun, bad movie, (laughs) you know, a good, bad movie. Well, yes, Yes, it is. And it's a lot of fun because of Tom Hardy, but there are things in that movie that I was like, yeah, I don't really see how just yet they would blend that in with the tone of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Same with Morbius. It's like, no, I don't think we need vampires in the MCU right now. <laughs> no, yeah. no, too no, much. No, only if it's Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, true Taika Waititi I, I would watch that crossover anything. in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the like the one thing that these movies, as you said, have done really well is developing Tom Holland's uh, take on on Spider Man, developing Peter Parker as a character. So the one of the biggest triumphs that I thought that this movie did was. By the end of it, I feel like I feel like he's made he's made that choice in as you know as much as he can that this is the Spider-Man that he's going to be. You know, between him getting between him making his suit, between him making his choice uh, with MJ, but to also be Spider-Man and uh, him honing in on his Spider Sense, which I think by the next movie I think he'll be calling it the Spider Sense. I'm sure there'll be a joke about it used to being called the Peter Tingle and him being like it's the Spider Sense. But I feel like yeah. it's been this Spider culmin- Sense, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Spider, yeah. Spider Sense, May. Yeah. Spider Sense, <laughs> exactly. We're not and, calling it yeah anything but yeah. And so I think it was this the, the way you see him acting, you know, at the end when he's swinging around and we finally get, you know, his version of that great swinging montage that all the other Spider-Man movies end with. I feel like that was that moment of he's Spider-Man now. Like it was mm-hmm. like he throughout the past two movies, well, past five appearances of him have been him growing into 
the the Spider-Man that for all intents and purposes we know. Right. And so I think it's going to be and then to have that moment of it's like, oh, well, he's now like Spider-Man and then to throw the wrench in there of, by the way, he's Spider-Man, but also now everybody knows who he is. So now they they have that great way of being like, all right, the next movie, like, yeah, for 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 all we know, he's he's now grown into the, you know, being the Spider-Man. But he's now got this new thing that he has to deal with that we've never really seen before uh, in live action. Eyes on him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to see what they do with with other villains. You know, keep just being creative and unique with it. Um, And one thing that I would love to see just any superhero movie do more of is I look back at uh, Nolan's uh, trilogy when they had just like those quick one-off scenes of him like recapturing Scarecrow. Like I would love to see more superhero movies have the existence of other like supervillains, but you don't have to spend any time on them. Mm -hmm. Like it could just be a quick thing of just Spider-Man, you know, thwarting a, a little crime and them getting arrested. And it's just that small way of building the worlds, but showing that, he is active with these other villains, but we don't have to spend uh, a ton of time on it. I feel like a lot of superhero movies tend to feel like it almost feels like the heroes are just hanging out until the next time a giant massive thing happens. And it's like, I'd love to see that feeling that this kinetic energy uh, of the universe is constantly going even in between the movies that we're not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know there are still some things we probably didn't completely touch on. And that's just because there's so much that happened in this movie. But why don't we quickly wrap up with our ratings, let's say, out of five stars? Oh, gosh. (laughs) You first, Katie. Are we doing half stars? Half stars are allowed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's on Letterboxd. You can do half stars. (laughs) I'm going to go on on even further decibel. My other site, we're not allowed half stars. So (laughs) I just want to be sure. Um, This is a four and a half star movie for me. This is so fun, it's not perfect, but it's real close. This is one of the better Spider-Man movies, in my opinion. And I think it's such a good follow-up to Endgame that it deserves that recognition. So, yes, four and a half stars. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i going to copy Katie because that's, you know, I was thinking four and a half as well. And it's funny when I try and think of, like, the things that I had problems with, it's it's hard. Um, but, yeah, four and a half stars, I definitely... I wouldn't say it's my favorite Spider-Man movie, but that actually goes to Homecoming. But he is my favorite. He continues to be my favorite Spider-Man. And these versions of these characters continue to be my favorite. And I I am continuously in awe that I keep falling in love with these characters over and over. There's so much to explore. And I feel like John Watts has just handled... Like I feel like almost like Spider-Man and John Watts go together almost like Guardians of the Galaxy and... uh, uh, James Gunn. James Gunn. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like they at this point, it's like I feel like it's John Watts trilogy. It's it's his to finish out um, if he chooses to do so. And hopefully Marvel, like I said, hopefully Marvel and Disney keep him around. But also I really hope that Disney and Sony continue to have uh, a good relationship because I've just adored these characters and I want to see more of them and and. Hopefully this is working out the way Sony wants it to for them um, because it's working out for the fans. It seems to be that it's working out for the fans. But yeah, I'm, I'm four and a half stars or an A minus, if you will. <laughs> it's a great, great follow up. It's, it's a good rating. It's a good rating. I like the movie. Yeah, I, I, 
I'm gonna uh, second your your uh, nod to John Watts just being he he's he's just a really he's a great and interesting filmmaker. Uh, I want to give a shout out to his uh, movie Cop Car that is on yes. uh, Netflix right now. Um, so if anyone hasn't seen that, he did that before all the Spider Man stuff. I highly recommend it. Great film. It's got Kevin Bacon. You, you can't beat that. Um, yeah. Speaking of, let's get him and to be a Spider Man villain. I know he was in <laughs> yeah. one of the X Men movies. That's fine. That's fine. It, That's and right. but <laughs> nope, it's good. Yeah, I approve. Yeah, so we'll get Kevin Bacon in here, and it'll be good. But yeah, no, I I really really like this movie. Um, it's interesting. On my first viewing, I gave it four and a half stars. On my second viewing this morning, I actually uh, knocked it down to four. But that's not a detriment to the to the movie. Uh, I do think as a Spider-Man movie, as everything with it, everything that has to do with Spider-Man, um, I think uh, is four and a half stars. I, I absolutely loved everything they did. I can't believe I got to see a Mysterio live action done so, so well. That seems to be the resounding opinion from people what i take is that they they did his character a lot of justice so it's good to hear that you think that too exactly like i really really the twist that they did with it they just worked so well um and then everything with tom holland and zendaya and just the whole cast was absolutely terrific um and i think the movie uh did a fantastic job uh topping off the uh the last phase and kind of keying off uh, potentially some of the stuff in the next phase. And I think, I think where I'm at is that it had a lot of things to, it had a lot of things to handle, uh, with all those aspects on top of being a great Spider-Man movie. And I think it, I think it did really, really well. It did the best that it could. Um, and the, my only thing is the, the scroll stuff I think is like fun, but I, don't necessarily know how I feel about it right now, but I do think it's one of those things that like when I went back and did my MCU rewatch, there were things that I didn't necessarily love in movies, but having known things that happened later, I now retroactively really enjoy. And I could see myself kind of coming back around on, on a lot of the scroll stuff in the same way. I feel like once I see where it's going, it it's going to bring up, uh, that aspect of this movie that I'm going to be like, Oh man, this clicks so much better. I think, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because when Katie and Deanna and I talked about Captain Marvel, we talked about Captain Marvel, right? Or was it just that? No, we did not talk about Captain Marvel. I think we, we had talked about Endgame this in Endgame. Briefly yep. talked about it. And Katie and I did an episode on Captain Marvel. We did. So I do think, I think one of the things that Katie and I had agreed on was that we're really excited to see what a second Captain Marvel could be. When you think about, especially when you think about Captain America versus Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Winter mm-hmm. Soldier is like really when I fell in love with that character. You know, I really loved him. At Ave- Avengers was like the beginning of yeah. me really loving that character. And then like Winter Soldier was, you know, the full realization. And I think we're going to get that with Carol Danvers. I think we're going to get that. Um, I feel bad saying this because I actually, you know, even though I really enjoyed Captain Marvel, I feel like um, it could be. And I thought the directors did a good job and they'd probably do a good job with the sequel. I feel like it could either do with better writing next time around or, you know, like a slightly better, you know, more compelling story. Mm-hmm. But given what we had to get up to speed with, and I think that that's where I think the, the scroll might get interesting. The further we get with Captain Marvel, if that means the scroll are involved in some way, I think we're going to get, uh, hopefully get more of them and, and, and get more to love. I agree. Yeah. And I did not have the chance to see this twice yet. So I think, you know, this is one of those movies that would definitely benefit from 
multiple viewings just to catch all of the little Easter eggs. Like they had places during the trip that were named after some of the famous Spider-Man writers like Brian Michael Bendis and so on and so forth. So they had these little Easter eggs that I didn't necessarily catch on to because there was so much action going on sometimes. You're like, wait, what's going on here? And that's not why I gave it a four out of five, but I think there were just a few things that I would have liked a little more of. You know, we all agreed that there needed to be more JB Smoove in this. <laughs> and, you know, Always. I felt Definitely. like even though the thing with Ned and Betty worked really well, it also made it so that Ned wasn't around quite as much. And I think yeah. that is something that based on what was going on with Peter at the time, I was like, you know, I understand that they're on a school trip and everyone wants to have fun, but Ned was the only one at the time who knew who Peter was out of all the classmates. And he sort of just went off with Betty for (laughs) most of the trip. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, a thing that does happen in high school. You know, people go off and (laughs) get boyfriends and girlfriends. And then the ones who don't have one at the time are just like, uh, hi, I still exist. (laughs) But it wasn't a huge detriment to the movie to where it, you know, curbed my enjoyment of it by any means. So this and Homecoming are both sitting at four out of five for me. And You know, this one I might enjoy a little more on a second viewing. We'll have to see if I can make it back to the theater for that or if I just wait until it's out on, you know, Disney Plus or whatever. I don't know how long it's going to take for digital and Blu-ray to come out. I feel like I can't (laughs) buy, you know, digital for Endgame comes out at the end of this month and I'm like actually debating not buying it because now that I know it's going to be, I think yeah. all in 4K on because I buy it all on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And the only the only Marvel film out of the MCU that I have that's 4K is Spider Man Homecoming, <laughs> and that's oh because, no, and that's because Sony puts it out. So Sony decides that they will put their movies in 4K on mm-hmm. iTunes, and uh, all of the other ones Disney is. You, they make you buy the 4K Blu-rays right. to get the 4 And I've never done that. So now I'm kind of like, okay, do I just wait for Disney Plus yeah. at this point? Right. The 4K releases get pricey pretty fast. I think they're all yeah. like 30 to yes, $35. And as someone who has AMC A-list, I'm like, but I basically get a bunch of movies for 20 bucks a month. So it, it like makes it harder for yeah. me to want to buy like physical copies. Not to mention, I don't have a Blu-ray player or a 4K TV. Mm. So, you know... Like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it was 10 bucks on digital through like Vudu or iTunes or wherever. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, this yeah. is a price I will pay for a digital movie because you aren't giving me anything other than the file. Yeah, I, that's and that's the thing. I don't like collecting physical media unless it's like a vinyl or a comic book or a book in general. Like, I have so many books. I, I can't like, say that I don't yeah. like physical things. <laughs> <laughs> I do like physical things. It's just, I mean, like for movies, it's like if I know that the technology exists where I don't have to collect them. Yeah. things i'm absolutely and now like i said like i think disney plus will be mostly if not all in 4k where possible and uh so yeah it'll be you know but i'm definitely planning on owning or at least having access to all of the marvel movies in the future same for sure yeah like i'm for physical media like i i have i'm like deanna i have way too many books <laughs> i definitely have way too many records <laughs> oh yeah i have way too many movies and video games all of those things yeah what i'm trying to do with like the newer ones with like the 4k stuff especially when it is like a little more expensive like i'll get the you know the close encounters of the third kind it's like a 40th anniversary yeah. edition of it or something yeah. so i'm like all right well yeah i'm getting it in 4k but I'm getting all this extra stuff with it. You know, it's like I rationalize that. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're going to have that much trouble, uh, you know, with uh, 
Far From Home leaving theaters anytime soon. One right. of the things I saw just before the podcast was that it it broke uh, Endgame's um, midweek opening uh, wow. record. Oh, damn. Uh, by, I don't know, like 3 million or something like that. But it, I, I was... It had a couple extra days, to be fair, too. You know, they opened mm. on a yeah, Tuesday yeah. instead of a Thursday. Yep. So. I'd, be, I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious how they how they factor uh, that in. The, those rankings. But, but I was still crazy to see how much it made um but uh that's i can't i'm yeah i mean i've seen a lot of the spider-man movies three times in theaters as i spoke <laughs> before the podcast um but uh we'll see chances are i guess i'll probably see this one too <laughs> but i need i need to see midsummer so it's <laughs> yeah we're all going for so good break. yeah and for reference we are recording this saturday of the opening week so you know it has made worldwide 342 million at this point which is big numbers and i imagine it's only going to increase because you know some people go out of town for a long weekend and aren't necessarily going to the movies so i understand Mm -hmm. them wanting to have it open before the holiday weekend because a lot of people do stay home and do go to the movies and things like that but there are still plenty of people who are either going to see this multiple times or haven't had a chance to see it yet because they had other holiday weekend plans and you know it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out i don't think it'll touch endgame in the end no but <laughs> no, no, you know no. not many movies will no i agree endgame ruined box office for i think everything. it could i think it could touch like captain marvel oh yeah potentially yeah yeah you know? yeah that's all i have in recent memory <laughs> you know compare it to yeah yeah it it'll do well great movie people should go see it yeah everyone go see it Yes. Also, if you made it to the end of this and haven't. <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Get to it, folks. Get to it. Yeah. Well, Katie, Jonathan, and Tim, thank you all for joining me on this technically third roundtable episode. I don't know. Katie, our Dark Phoenix episode is a little bit more of a triangle, but anyway, it's true. <laughs> you know, you'll be listening to this one first. And as always, you can find the podcast at Geekdom Pod on Twitter. We're at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. I have a Patreon link in the show notes if you would like to support the show. If you choose a dollar a month, you'll get a shout out on either this podcast or Chat Cemetery or both if I do that and remember. Or there's a $5 tier where you could pick a topic for this podcast. So if you have any interest in suggesting a topic and making sure it gets covered because I have 8 million topics that I want to cover as well. (laughs) You can do that at Patreon. And as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. We did it, everyone.